there's a difference between solitude, which I love, and loneliness, which I hate. You know, solitude is something that you go and you seek and is nice and is fulfilling and you feel connected to nature. Loneliness is when you feel a deep lack of connection to human beings and the world. And, you know, solitude can turn into loneliness very quickly, particularly if you're traveling for many, many days by yourself. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation I had with Dean O'Shea. Dean is an engineer and trauma recovery specialist. He helps people overcome trauma without having to re-experience it. As an engineer, he is passionately and currently working on helping the environment recover through sustainable island projects. Dean is a firm believer in the mini retirement method and minimalist travel. Let go of what you have to let in more of what you want. We had an awesome conversation talking about all of his experiences, some of his travel stories, some crazy travel stories, including chasing foxes naked in the desert, which you'll have to zoom in to hear a little bit more about. And we talked about how you can invest in these experiences and travels to make yourself more valuable to employers and how you can build community along the way. Give Dean a follow on Instagram at getlostwithdean. And if you like this podcast, go check out episode number 51 with Corey Sterling or episode number 23 with Jonah Kest. All right. Hope you enjoy this fun conversation with Dean O'Shea. Dean, welcome, man. Joshua. So, so good to see you. I feel very humble being here. It's been a pleasure to meet you and thank you for welcoming me into your wonderful home. Absolutely. Yes. It's a, it's, it's a, it was a no brainer too. Mm-hmm. So we get a sleepover tonight. This is fun. Yeah. I mean, I brought my pajamas. I got, <laughs> I got my little grizzly bear pajamas. <laughs> Perfect. That I bought in Rocky Mountain National Park. I love it. Perfect. Yes. Well, this is, this is fun. It was great to, I mean, we've known each other for several years now mm-hmm. and to be able to meet in person for the first time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Wicked. Like the energy was there coming down the stairs like, yes, there's Dean. Let's go. So welcome on the show. You've been someone I've flagged for a while now, you know, on the show. It's called Find the Others. And it's all about finding those other like minded people that are not just living the status quo, but are seeking to 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 live a bit more deeply and authentically in their own ways. And um, man, you certainly are one of the others, huh? Oh, well, well, thank you for saying so. Um, Yeah, I've always felt like uh it's funny you you kind of come into the world thinking like oh i I don't really belong here like maybe there's something wrong with me right and then i think as we grow more into ourselves and as we grow up we realize i think there's something wrong with everyone else (laughs) (laughs) um i love that you know not so black and white but it's like 
you know, I've, I've done many sessions with um, therapists and coaches and, you know, people like that that have uh, kind of honed these things into me. And I've had realizations in that, huh, actually, maybe the normal life isn't for me. Mm. I mean, I was 23 years old, uh, graduate from university, master's in engineering. I had an engineering job. I had a flat in London. I had a girlfriend. I was like, huh, this is it, right? Check the boxes. I've kind of like made it. So why am I so unhappy? Mm. Um, and I think that was the first time I realized that maybe this life isn't for me mm. uh, because actually I hated my job. Uh, my girlfriend hated me and uh, I was bankrupting myself from that flat that I couldn't afford. <clears throat> so yeah, that didn't really work out. And, you know, there have been many cycles in my life where I've kind of had what I guess the others have and not felt fulfilled and not felt like I was living my full potential. And then there's that disconnect, right? Right. You kind of have human beings live in a field of polar tension. If, you, if you're striving too much, you're overreaching. If you're not striving enough, you get bored and you get anxious and, you know, neurotic, right. et cetera. You need that right kind of balance. Um, and yeah, I think I've swung on both sides of the pendulum mm -hmm. at points in my life. Like we met because uh, you recruited me into the Shit You Don't Learn in College program. That's right. And we went on that fun, awesome adventure together uh, where I uh, had a different corporate job that I didn't like quit that. Um, so, oh great, you know, I'm gonna be a coach full time and I'm gonna, you know, make all my money this way mm -hmm. and this is gonna be my new life and I'm gonna be ultra successful. And over the years I found that, okay, well, actually trying to go kind of full steam ahead in this direction mm -hmm. really just burnt me out. Yeah. Uh, and so Legend then, actual sickness too, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I had a stress-related illness, ended up in the hospital. Uh, I didn't eat for a month. Mm. I lost 20% of my body weight. And uh -huh. when you weigh 150 pounds, there's <laughs> not that much of you no. to like lose. Like I had little like stick person legs. Oh man. Uh, it was, yeah, it, it was not nice. And, you know, there was a profound realization, a very profound realization I had when I was lying in the hospital, nearly dead, thinking like, huh, okay, maybe this isn't worth it. Mm. Uh, and then I went back into engineering and I've kind of like moved between the kind of the, the more creative space and the more scientific space a lot. And I think I'm finally coming towards a balance of that, mm. which is. What does that look like? What does the balance look like for you? Well, so for example, the I'm an engineering contractor. I work in re the renewable space. So uh, I was working for a company that makes smart batteries that power your home. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, to say that they were a competitor for Tesla would be saying far too much for our company, <laughs> right? Tesla yeah. weren't really that aware of us, but we considered Tesla a competitor. That's right. Anyway, small British company. Um, but, you know, working in that space was fulfilling because it was what I actually wanted to do. Before that, I was working uh, for a big evil oil drilling company because mm. they were like, oh, graduate, eat money. And I was like, money hungry, please now. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, moving into a space that was more suited to me was great. It was much better. <clears throat> so I started on that as a full-time job. Right. And the reason why I got into that job is because I'd had other jobs before that I'd hated. And I'd been through cycles of quitting my job and then coming back and then quitting my job and then coming back. And in between, I'd had these spaces of traveling where I'd 
be free as a bird and mm. I'd go off to the winds, you know. Uh, between one employment and another, I had a year off. Between another one, I had two years off. It's like mini retirements. Yeah, mini retirements. Yeah. You know? I'm kind of, my friends would uh, describe me as um, Dean the itinerant adventure. Or this is Dean the professional nomad. Like right. one, one of my friends would actually say. And so coming off of a, a bout of two years worth of traveling, uh, I then was like, right, okay, I think I should get back into the the swing of things and actually like get some stability so mm. I can plan what I want to do with my life. Because I'd swung too far on that end of the pendulum. Mm. I was literally wandering through the desert in uh, the Gobi Desert in China, naked, right? <laughs> <laughs> literally naked because there was no one else there uh, and it was like this thing, like, oh, I'm like the, the ultra naturalist, right? I'm going to yeah. walk away from the crowd into the desert dunes and strip my clothes off and go running <laughs> into the wind, which is exactly what I did. I love it. Right? And what should I see when I'm running through the wind but a desert fox just running across the sand dunes? And that is actually why I got this tattoo. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's beautiful art. That there. is that fox there. Yeah. Um, and so I just come off the back of that kind that kind of experience, right. right? Literally, literally like profound. Yeah, profound and also like, you know, off with the fairies kind of yes. adventure. And then I remember collapsing on the sand and being like, right, okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> I don't really know where else this can go. Where do you go from yeah. sprinting naked in the desert with a desert box? Yeah, where do you yeah. go from there? I don't really <laughs> I don't really want to go any further than that. You know, like I like I'm 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 done. So I thought, okay, right, I'll come back to London. I'll consider getting another job. Mm -hmm. But this time in my, you know, pendulum swing, I want to go a little bit closer to the mark. So I thought, okay, I want to live in a place in London where I want to live. Because London is a big place. Yeah. And, you know, if you live in the wrong place, you could be traveling three hours to work just to the other side of London. So, okay, I'm going to live where I want to live. I'm going to work a 20-minute bike ride to work, mm -hmm. maximum. And I'm going to do something that I want to do. So, you know, through the the universe and kind of getting better at the cycle of this kind of thing, mm -hmm. I, uh, I applied for one job. I had one interview and I got the job. And it was the exact job that I wanted. Wonderful. I moved in right near to where my friends live in East London, I worked at a company, this battery company in the renewable space, and it was a 20-minute cycle to work. Mm -hmm. Then a few months in, the office actually moved closer to where I live. So then it was a 10-minute cycle to work. So it was even better. It was one of these startup companies where when I first joined, there were 10 people. Mm -hmm. By the time I left, there were 70 people. Mm. Right? And so I really, you know, I would walk into work every day. And like, oh, hey, you know, Ed, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. How's your wife? You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, hey, John, like, you know, how's your back? Um, you know, Kenji, you mm -hmm. know, over here, like, when are you going to get married, you right. slovenly bastard? <laughs> uh, and so hold on, this is after the <laughs> Desert Fox experience. This is after the Desert Fox experience. Okay, which is, which is how long ago and what, what phase of your life was this in? So this was in 2016. Okay. And right. you were roughly how old at that time? I was five years younger than I am now. <laughs> that's that's a fact. Which is 28 years old. Yeah, so you were getting into your late 20s. Getting into my late yes. 20s at okay. this point. Um, so I'm 28 years old now. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I come back and I'm working in this company and I enjoy it, but it's stressful, right? 
But the only reason why I'm working in this company is because I wanted stability to be able to figure out what I actually wanted to do, uh, which is where we met. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I got into this whole coaching space and I thought, okay, right, this is going to be the thing for me. This is what I've been looking for. I'm ready to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. And after a few months working at that, I decided to quit my job again uh, and go fully into that. And so the pendulum swings. Right. Lots of pendulum swings. Lots of pendulum swings. And actually, this is, you know, it's kind of going in a circle. Right. Because, uh, you know, there, there are many different directions this pendulum is swinging in. Um, so after a couple of years of that, we come to 2018, I guess, mm-hmm. 2019. Yeah. Um, this is when I'm like full tilt, going bankrupt, not having the success that I originally thought that I would have, working hard every day, mm-hmm. getting up at 5 a.m., going for a run, then coming back, having a cold shower and you know doing mindset work in front of the mirror for like an hour and then yeah. like getting on the computer and being like, right, let's like let's do get, the thing. get clients, do, do the thing. Why isn't yeah. the thing? I'm, I'm pressing the thing button. Right, right. And the thing is not happening. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, eventually stress-related illness. Um, I always had a problem with tonsillitis and uh, it was stress-induced. And then eventually it just got so stressful that a doctor at the uh, hospital actually just said, um, Wow, your illness is so strange. Can I study it when we cut it out of you? Wow! Right, it was so, it was so big. This like ball of pus that was mm-hmm. in my neck, which we can talk about now because we're not we, eating now we're dinner. Not at dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had this giant pus ball like here, and it was actually choking me to death. Wow! Because my throat was like, you know, the size yeah. of like I don't know an M M&M and M at this point. Right. Couldn't drink water, so I was in there on IV drips for like two weeks. You couldn't drink water. Yeah, I couldn't drink water because my throat was so swollen. Oh wow! So actually, I had to have three operations. Uh, the last one was under a general, as- a general anesthetic. Mm. Never been under a general anesthetic before. Um, but basically, when that whole experience was over, I was then lying in bed. Like, I could barely move. Mm-hmm. I lost 20% of my body weight. And my mind was kind of in a malaise at this point, where it had been under so much shock. And I'd been on antibiotics for over a month at this point. Mm-hmm. So like my body was completely out of equilibrium. I had a complete and utter sense of not well-being. Yeah. Uh, And so then I'm lying in bed and thinking like, wow, okay. So this is too far that way. Mm. This is what this looks like. All right. So let's find somewhere in the middle. Mm. And so then after having quit my job about a year and a half back, I then suddenly get a call when I've um, just come back from Thailand at this point, uh, I did some recovery therapy over there, um, training in a ninja school. That's fine. Um, that's a whole other story, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, I come back from Thailand, and uh, I was like, right, okay, I think I'm ready to get back into this. But every time I try and think, oh, let's go push that button again, like my throat is seizing up, and I'm about to have like you know an anxiety attack. Interesting. Then one of my old colleagues calls me up and goes, oh, hey, Dean, like, we really need your help. Will you come back and and work for us for a bit? We're willing to pay you like what we used to pay you. And so at this point, I'm like, okay, so I've been through this whole journey now. Right. And it didn't turn out exactly the way that I thought it would. But now I'm standing here on the other end of the phone thinking, huh, I actually know my value now. And I know what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. 
And so I said back to this guy, I said, okay, I'll help you, but you have to pay me double. And I'm only working three days a week. And so he went, right, let me just ask our CEO one sec. He's like, should we do it? Like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? Whoa. Fantastic. So now suddenly I'm earning more than I did before, mm-hmm. working less. less and being more valued. And so actually I didn't need to necessarily stop what I was doing before and do something completely different. I just needed to reframe what I was doing in a way that worked mm. for me better. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. And I think that one of the things that I've I've spent a lot of time working with specific people on and, and from my own experience as well, it's like it's not necessarily the job that you hate, like that you think you hate or leaving the job is going to solve your problems, but it's it's how you're showing up for that. It's the ways you're showing up for that. It's how you're being valued in that. It's what you're doing outside of that as well. So can you speak at all to that idea of like looking? It sounds like this was an experience where you started to look at the job is not just like it's it's all or nothing, but there's a bit more, it's a bit more dynamic. Yeah. And so um, this is the point where I became a contractor and a lot of things in my life, I don't necessarily plan on doing just after they happen. I think, huh, I actually kind of always wanted to do that. And this is where it comes into the reframing. It's not going directly towards it, but kind of coming at it from an angle. Mm-hmm. And so before I had valued myself as just some graduate guy who will take a job that is at this level, I am worth this much. And you know you're worth this much because you're searching it in a search bar. So you think like engineering jobs, 30K, yeah. right? That's what I'm searching in the search bar because that is what I think that I am worth. Doing the same job now for double that. Right. What is the difference? Now I value myself more. And now they value me more because I'm the person who uh, created that frame. Mm-hmm. Now, I left. They wanted me back. I set my conditions. Yeah. And so in that, in that context, I did quit and then come back. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily have to do that. I know people who have just threatened to quit and then, you know, their boss has given them a raise or whatever. Again, not saying necessarily you need to do that. But there's certainly an argument for demanding your true worth. Right. And showing people that you are worth that. Uh, Because, I mean, a lot of people, they go through their work life not really knowing what other people do. They just think, okay, you know, these are the people that do this. They're the people that do that. Like, how much do you think that guy in marketing earns? How much do you think that guy in um, accounts earns? You know, how much do you think that that um, uh, girl in engineering earns? You think, oh, probably roughly about the same as me because you know them. They're roughly about the same as you, but you don't know how much they earn. Right. There tends to be a big black box in things like um, programming, for example. Very good friend of mine. He earns a ridiculous amount of money yeah utterly ridiculous (laughs) for doing what he does i went to university with this guy and he's smart right but he comes back sometimes and he's like they overvalue me so much yeah because they don't know what i do Mm. uh and so he'll earn a thousand pounds a day doing contracting work for these these companies and all he's doing is going right okay so all you want me to do is convert this from a web page to an app. 
So you know that's easy, right? Of course, he doesn't say that. Part, sure, sure. Yeah. But they're like, okay. And they're like, okay, yeah, this is a six-month project and we're going to pay you this much a day. He's like, okay. Yeah. Um, so in that context, the employer overvalues the employer. Right. That's more rare than yeah. common. And also can lead to issues as well. Also can lead to issues, right? right? Um, but, you know, one can reframe that in your current position just by saying, okay, well, um, having an honest chat with your manager or the person that you work for and saying, look, this is what I do. This is how hard it is. This is what value it brings to the company. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, you know, the, the amount that you're paying me or like the way that this, this is work, this is not working. Right. Right. Either I'm doing too much or I'm not getting paid enough. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could say, okay, well, Maybe you can't get a rise, but maybe you can get less work. So look, this is taking get some me boundaries set up after it? 5 p.m. I'm going to be unplugged, like put some boundaries on. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like this is a 60 hour a week job. Right. And I'm doing it and you're paying mm -hmm. me a regular mm -hmm. salary. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to say no to that. And in the future, I'm going to say no to all of that. And then I can do my job. Yeah. Or, okay, we're going to hire a person to do that. We're going to hire another person to do that. We're going to hire another person to do that. And suddenly, uh, as what happened in this um, startup, actually, I was an entire department. Mm. And then by the time I left, there were nine people in the department. Wow. So there were nine people doing the job that I originally yep. was doing for this nine. amount. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I was getting paid double for doing one ninth of that right. work right. <laughs> by the good. end of it. Yeah. Because, you know, um, if you have a dialogue about that, then you know, you can, you can work that out. <clears throat> doesn't always work out. You know, sometimes you'll get, uh, workplaces where it's very dinosaur like, right. right. Or where there's lots of workplace bullying, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you really want to be in that environment? Anyway? Right. It's a good question. So one of the, one of the, I think that's, a, it's a really valuable conversation here. One of the questions I have for you is it, in order to be able to confidently stand on the phone there and ask and make that ask of, I want double and I want to work three days a week. Like you have to have that belief and value in yourself and confidence in yourself first, right? And how does one develop that? Somebody that's listening that say that wants to get to that point, but like how, how do you actually get to that point of certainty or confidence in yourself? So I think it's experience, but not necessarily in the way that you might think. Okay. So when people think of experience, it's like, oh, okay, I have three years experience in this job. Mm -hmm. All right. So what if you had two years experience in that job and then you took a year out and you did all of the things, you know, you chased, not necessarily chased foxes through the desert naked, but you know, you did some traveling, you met some cool people, you maybe started your own business, you helped with, you know, someone else's problems. You got all of this life experience and worked on yourself and your character and your confidence, you know, uh, like, and confidence comes in, in different ways. Like you can't just be confident. Yeah. I'm a guy that suffers from horrible social anxiety my whole life. Uh, I grew up in a rough neighborhood, was bullied at school, mm. had an unstable home life. I was an introvert, you know, kind of. Here's, here's a list of all of the things that make like a shy and, you know, nervous kid. 
which I was, mm. all the way up until I was about 23. Then I started to do things that were just for me. So we talk about these mini retirements, right? Um, a lot of people are afraid to do these kinds of things because they don't want to leave gaps in their CV. But really, what a mini retirement is, or you know, when you take a break from work to work on yourself, is that's when you're really investing in yourself. You can be at work and you can just coast. I'm working for three years. I have three years experience. Really, I have three years only doing this one thing, the same every day and nothing else. And I'm actually losing the experience mm. that I need to fit in somewhere else. But, you know, one of the things that I said in my interview for that job originally, they were like, so um, I see you have like a two-year gap in your, in your right. CV. Like, what were you doing? I said, oh, what didn't I do? I went to... Uh, Africa, I went to China, I did two ski seasons, I started a company, I sold a house, I, you know, had relationships. And I said all this in the interview and they're like, wow, like, yeah. tell me about this, tell me about that. And do you know how many questions they asked me about work after that? Probably none. Zero. Yep. They were like, oh, where did you go in Africa? And like, what was China like? And, you know, what was this business that you started? And, and you know, like, what was it like being a property developer, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, it was amazing this and that and that and that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're already like saying like, oh, yeah, I think they're, or they're already thinking, oh, I think Dean would go nice in that office over there. Yeah. Because they see that as experience mm. because it's life experience. Right. And it's the way that you frame it. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, so like I didn't work for a year because I couldn't find a job. <laughs> I could have said that, right? Or I could have said, I didn't want a job because I'm lazy. Yep. I, I wanted to go travel and do stuff for two years. But actually, I framed it in a way of I had all these amazing experiences. Uh, you know, I feel so great about this and I can do this now. And like, look at all of this variety yeah. of things that I can do. This is the value that I can bring to your team. That's great. Just all how you tell the story. Yeah, it's a, it's a framing in the story, which is which mm. is massive. And you can even frame if you spent a couple years at a job that's totally unrelated to the next job you're going to. Like you can frame that and what you've learned and how you're transferring skills there or why, you know, why you were there. So are you familiar with Jesse Itzler at all? Uh, name rings a bell, but yeah, he's great. He's got um, he's an awesome book, a couple awesome books. Mm. He founded Marquee Jets and was a an investor in um, uh, Vita Coco, um, coconut water. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he's a uh, big entrepreneur. He's married to Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. Yeah. Uh, so they're a power couple, total power mm -hmm. couple. I love following his stuff, reading his his book and his whole premise. And uh, he talks about building your life resume and this idea right, of like, gotcha. and he does these workshops around building your life resume, mm -hmm. which I've always loved the idea of and gravitated towards that. It's, you know, your quote unquote experience, specifically job related, isn't just related to jobs. And I mean, as as someone who I've hired many people in different companies, I love to see that diversity. I love to see someone who can draw from experiences from doing things completely different. And obviously, there's certain skills that you might need to have if you're in a trade specific job. But that being said, I think that there's I think that there's increasingly becoming more and more value to people that are doing things differently. Or do you find that at all? Do you see that at all? Do you see that shift happening? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, I've, wor I've worked for a startup, and uh, they were very stringent in the interview process. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they did in the interview process is they would have everyone from the team that they were going to work uh, in mm -hmm. just go and talk to them. 
It wasn't an interview. They're like, right, go talk to that person. And they'd sit in the room with them for 15 minutes and just have a conversation. And then at the end, they'd go around to everyone who spoke to that person and say, what did you think of that person? And they'd say, oh, yeah, you know, I like them because of this. I like them because of that. Or I didn't like them because of that. Or they were weird, you know. And if anyone was like, well, yeah, I didn't like that person because they were weird, they'd be like, okay, we're not going to hire them. Mm. Yep. Because at the end of the day, people. a company is made of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not cogs. And even if we were, not all cogs fit together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we I worked with a very talented guy, uh, Peter, and he um, was, you, you could tell that he was so passionate about what he wanted to do and what he wanted to implement. But just the way that he did it just rubbed people up the wrong way. And that caused big problems uh, up to the point where, you know, I think he nearly left uh, or he nearly got fired or both. Uh, and then eventually they moved him in into a sideways position where he didn't have to deal with people so much. Uh, and so that was kind of how they dealt with it. But, you know, they had a constant like, oh, should we hire a new person because of this? Or, you know, perhaps they shouldn't have hired that person because they didn't get along with the team. But especially if you work in a, like not in a huge company, like if you have to work with someone day by day, it's yeah. like, I don't really want to do this for this person because I don't like them. Mm. Or, you know, I don't like the way that this person treats me. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, work with that person. Right. Or maybe you're forced to work with them and, you know, you have what happens a lot, which is people just, you know, like going home and crying every night. Like, you know, this person was a complete douche today. <laughs> And that's what you talk to about your partner every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that causes problems at home. Right. And then you have divorce, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, changing job is cheaper than a divorce. <laughs> that's good. That's a nice headline there. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it does come down to relationships a lot. Yeah. And so by, uh, by showing that you have the ability to get along with people is, is a big one. By showing that you have the ability to be diverse and be able to fit in different parts of an organization is a big one. Mm. And none of these things, you don't learn these things at university. You don't right. learn these things, you know. Sitting in a, at a sitting day in a job. Desk. Yeah, yeah, a job. You learn these things going out to the world. Right. And especially by going to different places where they do things differently. And so that's why travel, mm. I think, is a big thing to have on your CV. Um, that a lot of people say, oh, no, don't put it in there because, you know, you don't want to seem flighty. And it's like, well, but I want them to know that I've been to 50 different countries and I've studied a dozen religions. And um, I actually, you know, know a lot about other cultures and how they work and how they do, they do things differently. Like... Uh, in Japan, for example, if they uh, if a shoe factory has a strike, uh, they'll stop making left shoes for a while, but they'll still make the right shoes. <laughs> so pairs of shoes won't go out the door, so there's a problem. But when the strike is over, they'll very quickly get back to productivity. That's the way they do things there. And when I heard that story, I was like, that's so that's so funny. Like that they do things that way. You just wouldn't think of that right. here, like in right. the West. Or, you know, like, oh, for example, big American company uh, stops making profit, they fire a thousand people. Well, okay, maybe like in China, what they'll do is they'll deliberately hire a thousand extra people, but they'll pay them half mm. so that more people have jobs. So there's less unemployment, but they just kind of distribute it amongst yeah. the people. And so it's just a different way of looking at something. Yeah, different ways of solving problems. Yeah. And so actually, I used to work in the oil and gas industry, and I got made redundant because of the oil crash in 2016 or whenever it was, right? 
And I, uh, when they told me about this, they were like, oh yeah, you know, we needed to make a certain number of layoffs. And I was like, hmm, so how many people are there in this branch of the company? Like, okay, there's about hundred people. And there's a 3% pay increase a year, right? That's been standard for a few years and that, yeah. It's like, so if you froze that for one year, you could fire three less people. Mm. And they just stopped and was like, I never thought about it that way. I still got fired. Yeah. But <laughs> could have saved three other people. Right. Because right? they, they need to make a number of different layoffs. But it's things like that, the thinking outside of the box. Right. That it doesn't work in every organization, but it, you know, it, it should work in a lot more organizations. And like you said, I think companies are coming onto that now and people are looking at different ways of doing things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't that doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? You don't get those other perspectives or challenge your idea or notion of what something is or someone is or culture is until you actually experience it. And that's the that's the biggest gift that I that the travels brought me. So what one of the things you mentioned at dinner that I that I thought was very insightful and I totally loved was that you've been in this America for how long now? How many days? Uh, 49 days. 49 days. Yeah. And you said that over the course of 49 days, you've had at least 49 meaningful conversations, interesting conversations with someone. Tell me a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, this will be number 49. This will be number 49. Um, Perfect. Right in time. Sneak it in there. So I'll, I'll give an example. Um, I was in Bryce Canyon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, amazing place. Done some great hikes there. Uh, but then one day I saw the weather report. And I'm like, it's going to be pouring down with rain that day. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to take a day rest. So I went to this tiny little cafe in the middle of nowhere near Bryce Canyon. Uh, and I was like, right, okay, I'm going to bed down. I'm going to plug my laptop in. I'm going to do some writing. And I'm going to be here for like all day, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I get in, just about to plug my laptop in when these two girls come in and they're doing the same thing right? Uh, cafe's already nearly full. I'm about to plug my laptop in when I think, no. I was like, excuse me, th these seats are free. Yeah. They came over. We had a five-hour conversation. Wow. We sat in there all day in the pouring rain. We had several cups of coffee and lots of sweets, and we just chatted about life. It was amazing. Came away like bezies with these two girls who like so one good. of them lived in Florida and the other one lived in um, where was it? Like Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, like right up north. And um, they both met on a mission together in Uganda. Cool. And they'd stayed friends. And like every couple of years, they meet up and they do a big trip like this. So they'd done Zion. They were doing Bryce Canyon this time. Um, and we were just talking about how different our lives were mm. because one of them lived in Florida and the other one lived where she goes ice fishing all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's cold up there. And so they were like, she was explaining all of these like different ways that they do ice fishing and you have ice houses and how they drill the holes and mm. they have big competitions. And then uh, the other girl was talking about like how hot it is down in Florida, uh, sorry, down in Florida and how they have like, you know, all these like completely different way of life. Right. And then me, you know, in the UK and in the Azores, which is where I live now, which mm -hmm. is two very different ways. So we just talked about different ways of life for like five hours. It was amazing. So good. I always feel so. I always feel one of forty nine. Yeah, I always feel so fulfilled walking away from those interactions and conversations. Does that does that bring certain meaning to your life? Oh, a hundred percent. So I used to have. Uh, this is quite funny. I used to have a jar on the side of my desk, 
that said, my life is this full of meaning. Mm. And every time I had a meaningful conversation like that, or every time I helped a person, I'd put a marble in that jar. Mm. And so my life would, you know, become more and more full of meaning every time I did that. Of course, one day I knocked into it and smashed it all over the floor. And that was quite a metaphorical moment in my life. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's kind of how I feel. Um, as I was saying earlier over dinner, it's, there's only so much you can stare alone into a sunset like Bruce Banner, you know, like there's a difference between solitude, which I love Mm -hmm. and loneliness, which I hate. Um, you know, solitude is something that you go and you seek and is nice and is fulfilling and you feel connected to nature. Uh, loneliness is when you feel a deep lack of connection to human beings and the world. And, you know, solitude can turn into loneliness very quickly, particularly if you're traveling for many, many days by yourself. As a complete opposite of this journey, there's a trip that I did to China. I spent four months in China uh, a few years ago. And because of the language barrier, Mm. I couldn't talk to anyone. Couldn't connect. I could not talk to anyone. And I saw maybe a handful of foreigners that whole four months. And... Uh, I was traveling to some very rural places, some amazing experiences that I had culturally, and I I had to learn some of the language. And so sometimes I would have small little connections with people in the very small amount of Chinese that I had, or like via text or something like that, or just via sharing good deeds. But that was like maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. And so I suffered from, you know, a, a plague of loneliness on that trip, which really brought the tone of the trip down. Whereas here... I think not only do I speak the language, or, well, I speak English, y'all speak American. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But it's um, uh, also I think I'm in a, I'm in a better place now. Mm. I'm in a place where I will have a conversation with a stranger. I'm in a place where I will instigate that conversation. You know, I will say hi to everyone when they walk down the, the hiking trail. Like, that's the thing that I do now. Um, I didn't do that at the start of this trip. But people that I traveled with would do that. And I'd be like, oh, is this a thing here? And I'd be like, yeah. And then, you know, after a few weeks of saying hi to every single person that I came across, now I'm standing here in line for a bus and I'm like, oh, hi, you know, I like your dog. Uh, What breed is it? Blah, blah, blah. Strike up a conversation. And then they'll be like, oh, like you're a backpacker. Like, are you camping? And, you know, I'll share a little bit of my story. They'll share a little bit of their story. Only be a few minutes, but, you know, that's that's that connection Mm. that I need. You know, and I know that I need that now because I didn't know that I needed that before. Mm. You know, sometimes I'd go on these big trips specifically to be alone so that I could commune with nature and that I could, you know, like uh, go more deeply into myself. Right. But the more deeply into myself that I looked, the more I discovered that I actually love connecting with other people. Yeah. Which I thought, oh, no, I'm an introvert. Like, I don't do that. Right. But actually, I do need connection. And this has been such a great trip for that because um, I've connected with people like you, mm-hmm. with Rebecca, our mutual friend as well. Like, been so welcoming. Like, I went over there, uh, I stayed for the night, ended up being two nights. Like, then I came back with them. We did skydiving. Now I'm staying with her for a week over Thanksgiving. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, we've like adopted you now. Like, you're going to be our new surrogate son. Amazing, beautiful person and family. Great connection. Um, and other people as well that I've met along the way. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, if you ever come through Las Vegas, look me up. Or, yeah. Um, you know, going to probably meet up with um, uh, another mutual friend of ours uh, who lives in San Diego this week. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a trip of 
making connections, as well as seeing beautiful nature and doing all of the things that I normally do. Yeah, that's good. Has that been a good balance for you in the in the combo relative to other travels? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think it's been a boon, a massive boon. Um, because, yeah, after a while, it does get a bit lonely. Yeah. And I think that's why uh, one of the pulls of where I live now is that there's such a good community. Right. Yeah, that was going to be my next question to you because I, I love traveling too. I did some solo travel. The thing that brought me back was, and I saw some people were traveling for extended periods of time, you know, a year, two years. Mm-hmm. And the thing that just brought me back was I I just, I feel so great to have this community. And, I, you know, I love the book Into the Wild. And then the takeaway from that for me was happiness is only real one shared. Exactly. Right. Like the thesis of it. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and and I really felt that and felt like, oh, this is great. It's amazing getting all these incredible experiences. But I also feel this longing for like, community. Mm. And and you find those pockets of community like when you're having the conversation with someone or you meet those you meet those girls at the at the cafe and you dive deep into those like like you build community through those ways but they're more like bite-sized versions. Some of them stick, some of them remain connections through the years, but having that like consistent tribal day in day out community was something that I I really long so how how have you found that? It sounds like you found that in your new home. Yeah, so finding your tribe, I think, is very important. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> it's funny because I've moved many times in my life to different cities, to different countries, and I've made some friends along the way, but I've always been pulled back to London where I grew up because that's where all of my friends who I've known for a long mm-hmm. time live. I have friends, I'm 33 years old. I have friends who I've known for 33 years. You know, I have friends that I've known for 26 years. I have friends that I've known for 15 years. Yeah, And, you know, I consider them my family because I have a very small family. And so my friends are my family, right? Um, but it wasn't until I discovered myself in this uh, wonderful place called the Azores. Um, I live on an island called Sao Miguel, which mm-hmm. is one of nine islands in an archipelago in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, about a two and a half hour flight from Lisbon or a three and a half hour flight from Boston. And I just learned of this tonight. Yeah. And my mind was blown as you were showing me photos of this blooming splendor of paradise. Yeah, because, you, you know, you, you're looking on the map and you're like, where is it? All I yeah. see is ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you really zoom have in. to zoom in yeah. a lot to find it because there are only 110,000 people live on my island. Wow. In the town where I live, there's maybe 500 people, right? Um, but what I loved about this place, I've been traveling around Portugal um, for the last six weeks or so, mm-hmm. just... Um, this is part of my, you know, working three days a week for this engineering firm. You know, everyone started working from home because of COVID. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just take my home on the road then. Um, <laughs> so four days a week, I'd drive around camping in the wilderness. And then three days a week, I'd get an Airbnb and I'd sit and I'd do work and right, with right. and like do that thing. So like I had the working weekend really because I was working, I was traveling more than I was working. Yeah. Sounds like a great balance for you. It, it was a great balance for yeah. me. But as we discussed before, I had that kind of like listless mm. loneliness kind of thing because I was not really meeting anyone. Um, people that I would meet, I would leave three days later or I'd be traveling along. And so then um, I was on a Tinder date in Lisbon mm-hmm. and uh, I was just chatting to this Spanish girl, lovely girl, uh, who'd moved to Lisbon a few years previously, just telling her about what I'd been doing. And she said, hmm, I think... I think you'd like the Azores. 
And I was like, oh, where's that? Is that like in the Bahamas or something yeah. like that? She's like, no, 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 it's a Portuguese island. It's quite close. Like you can get a you can get a flight from right here in Lisbon, about two and a half hours. I was like, huh, okay. Um, maybe I'll check it out. Looked at some pictures on Google Maps. I was like, wow, look at these amazing volcanoes and lakes and stuff like this. Is a, this is like an amazing tropical island. Uh, and she was like, yeah, but it, but it's just like Europe. They have good roads. They have good internet. Like, just just check it out. You'll see. Uh, so I jump on a plane. It's like, okay, I'll spend two weeks uh, traveling around these islands and then I'll come back and then yeah. explore. Also, shout Portugal. out to you for just following that impulse and that breadcrumb to be like, okay, I'm actually going to take her up on this and go check it out and go venture over to see what's there. Oh, 100%. I mean, if someone, you know, half of the places that I've been to on this trip is because someone said, oh, yeah, you should check out this place. It's amazing. And I'll be like, oh, okay. And I won't just go, oh, okay. I'll be like, what was the name of that place? Let me look it up on Google Maps. I'm putting a pin in it mm. and, you know, I'm actually considering this. And if it's at all in my direction, or maybe I'll even change it. I, I will actually go there. I'm that kind of person because I have complete flexibility in my life. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's that's You didn't know you were going to be crashing here this morning. Neither did I. But it, yeah, hey, it, it, exactly. That's now amazing. I'm now I'm sleeping on a futon instead of uh, in the snow. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Just pause. <laughs> As we're eating dinner, you're explaining to me that you're I asked where you're staying and you said, what? Oh, I don't know. I'll probably go pitch a tent somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> that, that's pretty much my life at the moment. <laughs> um but uh yeah so so anyway so i i show up in the in the azores and i'm like wow this island is beautiful um i ended up spending two weeks just on this one island instead of planning on spending two weeks on nine and then uh so because i spent two weeks there i ended up going to the same surfing class twice mm. the same yoga class twice uh and you know i met up with this uh, uh I, I went diving twice as well with this one diving instructor and so just in those two weeks, I'd made three different groups of friends. Mm. And it wasn't like I just met some random people. Like I'd show up the next week and they'd be like, oh, hey, you know, you know, you were here last week, right? Blah, blah, blah. Continue the conversation. And I found myself thinking like, wow, like I could actually have a lifestyle here. Um, but then the old like, oh, no, Dean, you need to move on because like you're an itinerant and you can't like put down roots. Mm. It's like, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to another island. Went to another island for a week. There was no one there. I was completely lonely. I missed San Miguel. And I was like, wow, this is the first time I've ever like missed a place mm. that I've left so profoundly. Um, and so when I went back to San Miguel, I met up with all those people that I'd met before. Uh, and I was like, wow, I, I, I think I could really actually see myself living here. And I said to this girl, like, what had happened? And she was like, oh, well, you know, I've got spare room in my house. Like, move in. Oh, you want residency? Yeah. I did that a few years ago. Uh, meet me here tomorrow. I'll take you around town. We'll get all of your documents. Wow. Lined up. So I show up the next day, uh, or maybe it's a couple of days later, and she gets me a rental contract for the place that she's living. We then take that over to the local municipality office, put a stamp on it. I pay two euros. <laughs> uh, we then walk it over to another building I write some more information, hand someone my passport, pay 15 euros. Congratulations, you're a Portuguese resident. <laughs> easy, Took me easy. 90 minutes. Oh, that's great. Right. And now I'm a Portuguese resident. I can stay there, there for as long as I want. Uh, well, I can stay there for five years, then I can apply for a passport. And that person that I just met, right, was my scuba diving instructor. I actually also met her on Tinder. 
Um, so Tinder's a Tinder's a game changer when traveling too. It sounds like. Uh, so I had never used it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I did use it when I was in Portugal specifically because I was just like, I'm not meeting anyone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I want to meet some local people and have conversations and yeah. find out about stuff. Totally. Totally. And through that, I discovered the Azores. I, you know, got a housemate who then got me residency there. So good. Um, you know, just th- through two dates, which, you know, didn't really go into anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But actually. Meeting people. Yeah. One turned out one turned out into an amazing discovery and the other one turned into a great friendship. Yeah. It's great. Um, and so, yeah, then I just was like, okay, well, I can just continue what I was doing, but staying here instead of traveling around. And so I redirected my energies from discovering new places and always moving on to okay let's form more deep connections with this place yeah so i started doing the things that i love surfing uh diving yoga um you know exploring hiking uh, canyoneering and each place that i went to i made new friends and i very quickly discovered the interconnections of these people it's like oh yeah you know um uh um you know stephanie oh you know the Belgian Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know her. Uh, we know each other through this thing, this other mutual thing that we do. Oh, why don't you come to that as well? Oh, mm. now I've come to this thing. It just starts Now expanding. we all have these three things in common. Yeah. And so you develop kind of nodes and then the nodes interconnect and form a web. Right. And each, you know, each node one person is connected to uh, strengthens that bond. It's like neurons, you know, the more the more times you use that pathway and the more mm. pathways you have to that neuron, the stronger it becomes. And it's the same with with people, right? It's I mean, network theory, that's basically, you know, in a nutshell, someone would explain that way better than I did. But <laughs> that's kind of how I started developing these friendships. And now, been living there for a year. I just kind of forgot to leave. Um and a lot of friends that I know who are expats there did exactly the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, I came here for a two-week holiday. That was 10 years ago. <laughs> um, very natural process. Yeah, very natural like. process. And now it's like I have I have WhatsApp groups that I'm a part of. And it'll be like, oh, full moon tonight. Which viewpoint are we going to go to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bring the wine. Mm. And, you know, then I'm not here right now. But then I'll just get pictures in the group of, like, people sitting on a beach with candlelight under the full moon, like, so drinking cool. wine and eating cheese. Right. Right, that's what they do on a full moon. Yeah, that's you what know. you do. And you're going back for Christmas too, for that reason to go back with that exactly. community. Yeah, so this is my new family. Last Christmas, I went back to the UK because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to spend it with my friends and family back there. But now this year, I'm like, well, this is my new home. Uh, everyone did Christmas without me last year, and now they're like, no, Dean, like you got to come for Christmas. Like your family's welcome as well. They can stay in my house. Mm. Um, you know, and, yeah, these are the kind of people that like, oh, like you and your girlfriend want somewhere to stay for the weekend. Mm-hmm. I have an Airbnb that's got no one in it. Like, please, here are the keys. Let me show you around. Amazing. There are 10 bottles of wine in the fridge. Please drink them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, kind of give with everything that they've got. It's beautiful. And so, it's a beautiful connection. So question for you, how do you, how do you recommend or what advice do you have for people that live in here in the States or UK or wherever just kind of in the day-to-day grind to that want to build community. Like what advice do you have to people to who want to who are seeking to build more of a community? Yeah, totally. And it's um I guess a lot of the uh examples that I've been using have been traveling. Mm-hmm. But you can do these kinds of things in your own city and um and have success with them. 
Like I, when I was working from home uh, as an entrepreneur, I had like lots of time. So I would go to the gym during the day. And a lot of people, they go to like the lunchtime class and they're like, I've got 45 minutes. I need to militarily yeah, do the yeah. class and then leave. But, you know, there are some people that, that don't do that. And so what I started to do would to just be show up to the class early, have a chat with the instructor uh, or whoever was there waiting. Uh, you know, when the class is finished, just chill out for a bit. You know, I don't need to rush off. Maybe I'll do some stretches or maybe, mm. you know, ask the instructor about a thing that I did in the class or like a problem that I'm having or whatnot. Um, you know, you kind of tend to make at least acquaintances that way. Yeah. And, you know, if you do other things that you love in the same area, chances are you might meet the same people more than once. And you're like, oh, you're you're you go to my yoga class, or oh, you you know you go to my spin class, or uh, you go to my art class, or my writing class, or my took like lots of classes around, or you go to my church, you know, mm. or or like you go to the Whole Foods, um, right? Hashtag not stalking you, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Right, yep. it's it's like making that leap mm. from I recognize a person to I'm going to say hi to this person to I'm actually going to get to know this person. And I think the more things that you do that you love, the more people that you'll meet who you are likely to um, make friends with. Uh, because you're not going to meet people you like doing shit you hate, right? Right. Like work, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, do That's things great. that you love and people that you love will come into your life. That's a great... Great way to put it. And it takes effort. You got to get out there. It doesn't happen in a vacuum like we've been talking about. You got to get out there. You got to be willing to mm -hmm. get out of the comfort zone. And when it when it sounds like the best thing is to just stay in and chill, and there's a time for that always too, but you go out and do the thing. Say yes to those things. And the way that I do it in my life is like I just, I just really aim to say yes to the opportunities that come my way. Mm -hmm. If I figure like tomorrow night I'm going to this breath work thing that two of my friends are going to. Like, for sure. They're like, yeah, you want to come? I'm like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I don't have any plans right now for Wednesday night. Like that sounds like, sure, I'll say yes to that. Why not? Uh -huh. And who knows who I'll meet there, right? Yeah. So that's a fun thing. Yeah, I mean, I think a great example of that is that film Yes Man. Yeah, right? exactly. Great film. <laughs> Where he ends up doing all of the things. Yes. Don't have to be that extreme. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, staying on that point, uh, it can be tough. Coming from a person who had social anxiety and yep. who is an introvert and who is also a Brit, and we're notoriously uh, guarded and closed yeah. and like, you know, stand on the tube next to each other. And if you touch me, I'll murder you. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and even I saw like you'll go to a yoga class or something like that. And like people will like show up. They won't talk to anyone and then they will leave. Yeah. If you touch their yoga mat, they will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, e even for someone like me who really struggles with that kind of thing, uh, eventually like I said, like walking down the trail and at first it's awkward saying hi to everyone. And now I feel, I, I find it awkward if people don't say hi. Sometimes the motivation comes after the action. Yeah, You stick your neck out, throw yourself in the fire a little bit, you get a little bit burnt, but then, you know, maybe you start to like the warmth. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's, it's, it's very cool to, to have someone like you who grew up in that environment where you felt as you identified as an introvert and were very kind of shut down in that way that 
you know, you were able to do it through just constant travel experiences, quality reps of just putting yourself out there. So I love that. Um, man, our time is flying by here. Is there anything that this has been an awesome conversation? I've so enjoyed this. Um, is there anything that you want to share with the, with the listeners here as we wrap up? Um, so I'd like to share one story and I'll try and keep it short because I know we're on quite a lot of time. Something quite profound that I did today yeah, um, is I went back and I visited a section of the Pacific Crest Trail that I had hiked first 10 years ago and then eight years ago or so. So uh, I went back there today because I wanted to see what would happen. Because 10 years ago, I tried to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, right? I wanted to through hike it, do the whole six month, 2,650 mile trip from Mexico to Canada. After about nine days, I was thoroughly sick of it, crying almost every day, then shoving M&Ms into my face <laughs> and then like continuing on. Had decided to give up. And as a 23-year-old at that time, giving up on something, yeah. that was like the first time I had ever done that. Mm. And the amount of weight that I had put on this experience, like this is going to be the experience of my life. Mm. And then I couldn't do it. And so I gave up. And right in the middle of this giving up, I kind of literally just rooted myself to one spot and I was camping in this one spot and I didn't move for a week because I couldn't decide what to do next. Coming from that place of extreme vulnerability, um, this uh, old uh, middle-aged couple walked into my camp one day and said, oh, hi, uh, are you Dean? And I was like, oh, um, yeah, maybe that's not too strange because, you know, other hikers had passed through and they knew that some British guy called Dean maybe was staying here. They said, oh, are you Dean O'Shea? And I was like, oh, am I in trouble or something? And they said, your mum's been trying to contact you. Uh, she wants you to get in touch with her right away. So I packed down my camp, hiked the two hours to the nearest town, which is Warner Springs. Uh, and through various connections of Facebook, I eventually managed to get my mum on the phone at the reception. And that's when she told me that my dad had died. Mm. And this is very sudden, completely unexpected. Unexpected. Uh, I mean, he'd been ill for many years, but like, I never thought that that would happen. Yeah. Uh, particularly, I never thought that that happened now. Like, we never right. thought it was going to happen now. Uh, so that was devastating for me. And, you know, it took me a week to get home after that. And for that entire week, I was kind of going through this, this numbness of like, what do I do with my life now? Mm. I've, you know, had all of the carpets pulled out from under me. I'm not invincible. Um, you know, someone close to me has died. I'm questioning my own mortality, my own place in life. It's a very like profound moment in my life where uh, I then made the decision of, right, okay, I'm going to throw myself into work. I'm going to get a job and I'm going to be a serious person because, you know, the, t- the clock is ticking now. Um, so that's when I got into my first corporate job that I hated. And we come all the way back to the beginning now where I'm 23, I have a job, a place, and a girlfriend, and I hate my life. So about a year and a half into doing this job and being so unhappy, uh, I did this meditation where I had this image of paradise. And it was that place in the Pacific Mm. Crest Trail where I had been before and where I'd camped for a week. And, you know, suddenly thought into my head, like, I have unfinished business there. Like I started this journey and I thought that I had failed, but perhaps not. Maybe it's time to go back and complete that journey. So I didn't go back to try and do the Pacific Crest Trail. 
This time, I only wanted to get to that spot, but I wanted to do it my way. Mm. And so this time, I had a fantastic time, you know, skipping along, light on my feet, meeting people along the way, carrying a lighter pack, did all of the things right that I'd done wrong before. Yeah. So that it was a good experience instead of a bad one. And then when I got to that same spot, I then had a profound emotional experience and was able to kind of have closure on that whole thing, you know, um, death of my father. Um, After two years of mourning, I kind of put that to rest. Mm. Um, And then I had, you know, some more adventures in, in, you know, San Diego and LA and San Francisco and places like this. And I went home, had an amazing trip, kind of closed that off. So today, I just happened to be passing through wow. Warner Springs. And I thought, you know what? Okay, I just happened to be passing through. I kind of curved my sure. way towards that. I found myself drawn to it. So I was like, I'm going to go back to that same spot and I'm going to see what happens. And I went there and you know what happened? Hmm. Nothing. Hmm. I showed up at that place. So I was like, hmm, I kind of don't feel anything. I have some nostalgic thoughts of things that happened here. Oh, that's the rock that I sat on and wrote my book. This is where mm. I was when this happened. I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe that's done. But it wasn't until I started walking away from it that suddenly all of the emotions came up. Mm. And I was crying, I was laughing. And the realization that I had was that it was walking away from that that was the thing for me. Mm. Like I, I, I had put that to bed. I didn't need that in my life anymore. I didn't need to hold on to that trauma anymore. And I never need to go back again. And as I was leaving, I was like, fuck you, rock. <laughs> fuck you, tree. <laughs> fuck you, PCT. I'm never coming back here again because there's no, there's no more need. Mm. I'm not that lost little boy that I was wow. back then. That is a powerful story. I got chills as you're telling that, man. That yeah. is, uh, I, I had the chills. It was literally earlier today. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. What a day. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for sharing that, time. especially the fact mm. that it happened today in real time is is beautiful. So yeah. dude, thank you, brother, for coming on. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to continuing our friendship and relationship, getting some traveling done in together, some experiences. Yeah, thank and, you for having uh, me. Absolutely. This is this has been a pleasure. So until next time, we've got cert- we've got so much we so much more to dig into, but I think this yeah. is a good one to start with. So, Definitely. thanks, my brother. All right, awesome, man. Thanks so much. 